Thank you for being here and singing so well. Thank you for coming out. Uh, I think Nigel, like myself, has had too many pack lunches. So if you have your pack lunch next week, don't let him near it. Okay, that's my advice. <laughs> Could you turn with me, please, to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. And we are reading from verse number 1. Genesis 1, verse 1. This is the word of God. In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. And God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, let it divide the waters from the waters. God made the firmament and divided the waters, which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven, and the evening and the morning were the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters called he sees, and God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth bring forth grass and herb yielding seed and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind whose seed is in itself upon the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after his kind and the tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning were the third day. And God said, let there be light in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the, from the night. And let it be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights, a greater light to rule the day and a lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. And God set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. Verse 1 of chapter 2, please. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God ended his work which he had made. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had made. Keep your Bible handy, please. Let's pray together. Our Father, we come tonight not just to be informed, but to be inspired. And Father, as we come with an open Bible, we think of the words of the old Puritan who said, What we have not or what we know not teach us, what we have not give us, and what we are not make us. 
So, Father, we pray that this service will make an impact even in our meeting tonight, for Christ's sake. Amen. Recently, I read an article which was entitled Great Things About Getting Old. And I'm at that delicate age now where I thought I need to read this. The first one was that it's good to get old because your secrets are safe with your friends because their memory's gone and they'll not remember your secrets. The second one was that your joints are a more accurate weather forecast than the news items. The third one was in a hostage situation, you're likely to be released first. And I started to realize there's not many great things about getting old at all. This world uses the term great glibly about things that are not particularly great at all. But God uses the word great very sparingly. He used it for things that are really great. And one of the things that he says is great is salvation. In fact, whenever the writer to the Hebrews was writing in chapter 2, he said, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? And it certainly is great. Of course, salvation is not great because of the preacher. Salvation is great for many reasons. For example, salvation is great because of its source. Its source is heaven. Its source is God. The one who is omnipotent. The one who is omniscient. The one who is full of love and grace and mercy. That's where salvation starts. It's great because of its source. It's rooted in God himself. It is great not only because of the source, but because of the scope. Because it reaches out to all mankind. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It reaches you. It reaches me. It reaches people tuning in to points past tonight. There's no one left outside of its scope. The scope of it is amazing. It reaches the tribal people of Africa or India. People who have never heard the name of Christ. It reaches right to where they are. It is great. Not only because of its source and because of its scope, it's great because of its scheme. It's to all those who believe. My, you don't have to go on a pilgrimage to Israel. You don't have to learn big chunks of the Bible. You don't need to do this and that and the other to try and uh, uh, obtain the salvation. No, it's to those who will believe. Those who turn away from sin and embrace that finished work of the Lord Jesus on the cross. It is great because of its scheme. Everyone can avail of it. You don't need to be a, a, a professor or a, a degree student. No. My, even the simplest child can embrace this wonderful message. It is great because of its source, because of its scope, because of its scheme. It's great because of the Savior. Why, we could spend a lot of time thinking of Emmanuel, God with us. The one who was called the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. The one in whom there's no fault. The one who died in our place. The one who shed his blood. My, it is great because of its sacrifice. We were thinking this morning of Calvary around the table. That amazing atoning sacrifice. It's great because of the salvage and the safety and the satisfaction it brings to those who put their trust in him. My, it's great. Great salvation. 
But as I thought about salvation and thinking about how I would relay it to you tonight, the Lord took me in a very strange direction to Genesis chapter 1. And you know that in Genesis chapter 1, we have the story of creation. And you know about what happened in the different days. But if you read a wee bit carefully and a wee bit deeper, you will discover that in this narrative, we have an amazing, powerful picture of spiritual regeneration. We have a picture in Genesis chapter 1 of the great gospel, the great salvation of Jesus Christ. In these days that we have given to us, I think you will find an unfolding revelation of God's salvation. And I want to bring it to you tonight as best that I can. Day number one. We read about in verse two. This is salvation. Let me read it to you again. In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth and the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Dear friend, I want to say to you tonight that God pictures humanity without form and void, empty and in total darkness. Now you dear folk in points pass or you tuning in tonight might not agree with such a description. (laughs) I understand that. Why you say, well my life is is busy and full. My life, it seems okay. Indeed, it's exciting. I'm looking forward to the week ahead. But as God looks into your heart, as God looks into the heart of mankind, he He gauges spiritual awareness. He measures knowledge of spiritual reality. And as God looks into your heart, his verdict is, as we find in verse 2, we're without form and void and empty, without hope, without purpose. We're dark as dark can be. That describes the sinner whether he's in points past tonight, whether he's up the town tonight, whether he's in the pub tonight, or wherever he is across the world, without Jesus Christ, God says you're without form and void and in pitch darkness. Ah, but look what happens. The Spirit of God moves. That's what he does. That's what he does in meetings like this. In such a situation that is dark and serious, to stay in our sin is to lead inevitably to a lost eternity, separated from God forever. But the Spirit of God moves. I was sitting in Ebenezer Gospel Hall on the Old Park Road in Belfast, 16 years of age. And I became aware of my darkness and my sinfulness. But I'll tell you, the Spirit of God moved. Sitting in the meeting. Made me aware of my sin. Made me aware of my guilt. The Spirit of God moved. That's what God does in gospel meetings. Amazing. The Spirit of God shedding, beaming light into our dark 
Sin darkens souls and the darkness is dispelled and people see the truth. You in this meeting tonight could be sitting where you are and all of a sudden realize the sinfulness of the human heart. The Spirit of God is moving. You could be in this meeting tonight and you realize of God's love, so loving, so caring that he sent a Savior to die for you on the cross. That's the Spirit of God moving. That's not the eloquence of a preacher. It's the Spirit of God moving in your darkened soul. And then you realize about Calvary and how he took your place and the resurrection up from the grave he arose as a victor. The Spirit of God is moving. And you realize your need to repent and put your trust in him. The Spirit of God moving. That's salvation, isn't it? And there in Ebenezer Gospel Hall, sitting about four rows from the front, near the middle, beside my mother, 16 years of age, God moved by his Spirit in my heart, and I became a child of God. That's salvation, isn't it? Here it is on day number one, the Holy Spirit hovering over people's hearts, convicting, convincing, and calling. And tonight, I want to tell you that tonight is day number one for you in the darkness of your soul, in the darkness of your heart. The Spirit of God moves. And you realize your need. And you realize what Christ has done. And you realize of what he accomplished on the cross and how the tomb is empty. And you say, I'm, I'm leaving that old sinful past behind and I'm trusting him. He died for me. In the words of Paul to Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. That's day number one. Tell me, have you got there yet? Day number one. When you realize the darkness of the human soul. When you realize what you are without Jesus Christ. And the Spirit of God moves. Convicting, convincing, and calling men and women to himself. You say, Pastor Kendi, the message is over and give another six days. I will come with me. Because if day number one is salvation, day number two is separation. Because in verses three to ten, God divides the waters. He divides heaven from earth. He divides morning from evening. And there's a separation. Salvation leads to separation. And immediately in a Christian's life, immediately after salvation comes separation. Now, many preachers don't like talking about it. Many preachers uh, don't like to, to deal with what it means to be separated from this world. But here it is clear. It's essential in our Christian walk. When God thinks of the gospel. Day one there's salvation. Day two separation. They go hand in hand. Dear friend it's possible to get stuck in day one. Hmm? And there's that moment when you ask the Lord Jesus into your heart. Hallelujah that's wonderful. But it doesn't stop there. Salvation leads to separation. 
dividing. And we need to be in this world, but not of this world. We need to be befriending all, but without compromise of our Christian principles. This is what Paul was teaching in Romans chapter 12. Whenever he said, not being conformed to this world, but being transformed by the renewing of the mind. We have new desires. We have new goals and new ambitions and new motives. We have a new strength. We have a new home. We have a new citizenship. We have a new king. We have a new burden. We have a new concern. We're living a holy life which marks us distinct from those around us. Dear friend, listen to me. Salvation must lead invariably to separation. Let me put it another way. If there's no separation from the world, the chances are you've never got day one right. Hmm? Sometimes... Not so much now that I'm retired, but it used to be I did a lot of weddings in Bali. In fact, I got to a stage where I was marrying the children of the parents that I married when I first went, which was amazing. And they would come a wee bit embarrassed, usually, saying, Pastor, we're, we're thinking of getting married. And the, uh, the fiancé gets a bit red under the collar and Obviously try and talk them out of it, but never worked. <laughs> but I brought them in and we did counselling with them and advised them. And part of that was to remind them of the exclusive bond of separation for life. That they were making vows to forsake all others and be faithful to this one person. There was a separation involved in getting married. Dear friend, I want to say to you tonight, as I seek to be faithful to God, day one is essential. We're dark without form and void and darkness brooded over us because of our sin and the Spirit of God moves. Maybe he's moving tonight for you. Maybe you feel the weight of your sin. Maybe you feel the weight of judgment of God upon you. But the Spirit of God is revealing the Lord Jesus who loved you and died for you. Uh, That's day one. That's salvation. It was good. Let there be light. And there was light. Let there be light. Ah, But it must lead to separation. A new walk. A new life. A new way of thinking. A new way of walking. A new value system. Separation. Ah, but let's come to day three. Not only salvation day one, separation day two, but day three you become the cultivation. Cultivation. Verse 11 to verse 13. And God said, let the earth bring forth grass and herb yielding seed and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind whose seed is in itself upon the earth and it was so and the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after his kind and the tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself after his kind and God saw that it was good. Cultivation. Cultivation. Growth. Bearing fruit. Dear friend, this is vital. This is, maybe you've never got to day three. Salvation, day one. But don't stop there. You move to separation, day two. 
And then you move to cultivation, spiritual growth, spiritual development. This is vital. Why, this is the first evidence to all the people in your family and your neighborhood and and your workplace that you're really a child of God. They don't see what has happened in the heart. They don't see the change of light in the mind. and they, They don't see the new motives and the new destiny, but they can see spiritual fruit. Didn't Paul write to the Galatians about the spiritual fruit? One fruit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, so on. Nine of them. And we should start to develop those as a child of God. Notice it says that they're spiritual fruit after his kind. In other words, we should, dev- we should provoke others to be like ourselves. We should be like steel against steel, encouraging each other to to be more Christ-like. Cultivation. That's why some go to Bible college, cultivation. Spiritual growth. That's why some go to the mission field. That's why some teach teach Sunday school class or go to CEF or go to church plants and Praying for souls in the prayer meeting. It's evidence not only of salvation and separation. It's evidence of cultivation. Cultivation. Do you remember John 15? What did the Lord say in John 15? I am the vine and ye are the branches. Abide in me to bear fruit. And if you're not abiding in me, you can do nothing. In fact, if you're not abiding in me, it'll be withered, it'll be cut, it'll be burnt. Wow. I say you're following it. Day one, salvation. The darkness, the bleakness, the destruction, the chaos. And the Spirit of God moves. And your eyes are opened. And you realize your sin. You realize your need. You realize where you're going. You realize the destruction of our sin. And you trust Him. That's salvation. But don't get stuck there. It leads to separation. A new life. A new way. Separate light from darkness and day from night. It's like day and night being a Christian. One of our problems today, dear saint of God, is the world can't tell us apart. We look no different. We talk no different. They can't tell us. They can't tell that we've been with Jesus. Salvation leads to separation and separation leads to cultivation and that spiritual life. Dear friend, if you're not reading and praying, you'll not produce fruit for God. Abide in me. Abide in me. And if you're not abiding in me, drawing from Christ day by day, drawing the nutrients that you need to live spiritually, drawing the strength If you're not doing that, you'll wither as a Christian. Be no use to him. Salvation day one. I say, have you got there yet? I speak lovingly. I'll not embarrass you. But if you haven't got to day one and you're still in darkness, I need to speak to you. 
Because if you died tonight, you'd be lost for all eternity. And I'll not embarrass you. I'll make sure you got home safe. I'll make sure that, that, that you'll not be embarrassed and I'll not push you or twist your arm. I promise you'll not. What I'll do is I'll sit you down and I'll open the Bible and I'll tell you more about my Jesus. That's all I'll do. The Spirit of God is moving, hovering, awakening, enlightening, bringing light. Jesus died for you. But that it must lead to separation. Have you got there, dear saint of God? Separation from this old world. And that leads to cultivation. The growth, spiritual growth of a believer. Producing spiritual fruit for his glory. Oh, don't tell me, dear saint of God, you've been saved five years or ten years, fifty years, and there's no growth yet. What's wrong? Did you get stuck at day number one? Salvation, separation, cultivation. Day number four, reflection. Look at verse 14. And God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. Let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so reflection. God created the sun and the moon, stars, Do you remember the Lord Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5? I think it's verse 16. Let your light so shine before men that they might see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Reflection. Like the moon, we have no light of our own. What we do is merely reflect the light of the sun. Our light comes from our Lord and Savior, our Creator. He is the light of the world. And so as we live our life, there must be that reflection. People look at us and they see something of Jesus in us. And they'll say, surely they've been with Jesus. Some people are fascinated by a solar eclipse. I'm sure you saw in the news there was one on Thursday there, past in Australia, uh, the 20th of April, where the moon is aligned between earth and the sun. And for a few moments, as the, as the coincide, as they link up, the sun is blocked from view and all goes dark. And people are out taking the photographs and looking at it, amazing, the sun is hid from view. Uh, I, I know Christians suffering from a spiritual eclipse. dark no reflection something has got in the way something has hid the light from view something is blocking the way they're spiritually cold sin creeps in if I could sing I would sing that hymn oh lift the veil if veil there be let every saint thy glory see Reflection. Tell me, Christian, is your life reflecting the Savior? Can people see Christ in you? Backslider, can I speak to you for a moment? Maybe you wouldn't use that term, 
Maybe you just think everybody else is a better Christian than you. Would you not like to live in the sunshine again? Would you not like to know the warmth and the power and the life and the impact of living in the sunshine of God's love? Do you remember the woman that first Easter morning walking to the tomb and their conversation was not about the miracles? Their conversation was not about the great teachings of the Savior. Their conversation was not about the day when he turned the wee loaves and fishes into a multitude to feed the crowd. Their conversation wasn't about when he walked on the water to meet with Peter getting out of the boat. No, no. They were saying, who shall roll away the stone? Who'll remove the barrier? Am I speaking to someone and there's a barrier in the way and that reflection has well now gone. It's a solar eclipse. Everything seems dark. Oh dear Christian, remove the obstacle. Remove the barrier. Say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for being so stubborn and so foolish. Lord, take me back afresh. He restoreth my soul. Salvation, day one. Separation, day two. Cultivation, day three. Reflection, day four. Day five. God created the birds and the fish. This is invigoration. Invigoration. Look at verse 20. And God said, let there be, let the waters bring forth abundantly uh, the the moving creatures that hath life and fowl may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. And God created great whales and every living creature that moveth, uh, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, every winged fowl after his kind. And God saw that it was good. Invigoration. What do I mean? Very simply. Both birds and fish defy the laws of nature. Birds can fly even though they're heavier than the air. And fish can swim to great depths where the pressure would make it impossible to survive naturally. They're having victory over the laws of nature. This is supernatural. Invigoration. Dear saint of God, listen to me. Christians can soar into the heavenlies close to the Savior's heart. And we can dive to explore the depths of his love and the depths of his mercy and the depths of his grace. We delight to explore the depths of his eternal word, invigoration. We have a supernatural power within us, the Holy Spirit that enables us to see things that we couldn't see before and understand things we couldn't understand before. Invigoration. Now you will understand, if you see a wee bird and there's no wind and it tries to get up, it takes a lot of effort. But where there is a current, where there's a wind, Maya can just one flap of its wings and it's up. And soaring to the sky. 
Similarly, as believers, if we do not depend on the wind, on the on the power of the Holy Spirit, we will struggle to achieve anything of ourselves. We'll achieve very little. Ah, but when the wind blows, when the Holy Spirit moves, when the Spirit of God breathes, I tell you, you can soar to new heights and you can go to new depths and you can see something of God in all his beauty. And in the words of the hymn writer, the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. Invigoration. Have you ever been there? tell you in the study in those times my you miss meal times and the family's wanting and you can't leave it as you dig deeper and you scale higher and you spend time alone with him he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me that I am his own and the joy we share as we tarry there None other has ever known. Salvation day one. Tell me, have you got there yet? Dear friend, listen to me. Maybe someone tuning online. You need to get to day one tonight. You need to see your sinfulness. You need to see the darkness. You need to see the blackness of your heart. And you need to feel the Spirit of God moving and making you aware of your need. And you put your trust in Jesus Christ. You've got to get there tonight. But don't stop there. You move on to day two, separation. Day three, uh, cultivation. Day four, reflection. Day five, invigoration. What about day six? Day six is the crowning day of creation. Verse 26, he says, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. This is imitation. You'll notice how we freeze after our likeness. Verse 26. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. It's uh, created he him. It's imitation. The ultimate goal of the Christian life on earth is to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Now I know you're looking at me. Please don't. I'm still a work in progress. Maybe the progress hasn't been as quick or as marked as it should have been. But the goal in saving us is not just to take us to heaven. Paul writing to the Romans in chapter 8, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be what? To be conformed to the image of a son. Dear friend, heaven is a glorious byproduct. The glories of heaven is a glorious byproduct. The real reason for salvation is that we might be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Imitation. More like Jesus. That's why we have all the ups and downs in life. That's why Satan still tempts us. That's why trials still break us. 
That is why Satan still haunts us. And the spiritual temperature runs hot and cold so that through all of life's experiences, both hard and easy and victorious and embarrassing, we are molded and shaped and fashioned like Jesus Christ. More like Jesus would I know. More of his grace to others show. More of his saving fullness see. More of his love who died for me. The more like Christ we become, the more of that abundant life he offers. My time is gone. Salvation. Don't stop there. Get there, but don't stop there. Separation. Distinct from this old filthy world. Cultivation. New growth. Reflection. Invigoration. Imitation. Verse day number seven. Glorification. (laughs) God rest it. (laughs) Forever with the Lord. Amen. So let it be. Oh, the wonder of it all. To enter into our spiritual rest. No more tears. No more heartache. No more failure. No more pain. And the Lamb shall be all the glory in Emmanuel's land. It says, isn't it amazing what you get from Genesis chapter 1, isn't it? What an illustration of God's redemptive work. Day number one, salvation. But don't stop there. Get to separation and cultivation and reflection and invigoration and imitation. Glorification. Let me finish. Dear friend, maybe someone looking in. Maybe for you, this is day one. I want to tell you, your heart is black and sinful. Without Jesus Christ, you are lost. Tonight, put your trust in him. Say, Jesus died for me. I'm trusting him with my life. But dear friend, don't stop there. It could be that in points past tonight, many have got stuck in day number one. Maybe for you it's a total eclipse and you're not reflecting the Savior. Remove the obstacles and move from salvation to separation and cultivation, reflection, invigoration, imitation, so that one day we will know glorification. Dear friends, salvation is only the start. Only the start. Don't stop there. What a day that will be. We're going to sing our closing hymn, Come Every Soul by Sin Oppressed. And after we sing it, remain standing and we'll close in a word of prayer. Thank you.